Welcome to Table Lore. Table Lore is a storytelling podcast designed to be continued by you. Each episode focuses on new locations, characters, and spooks, which can be used for creative projects or tabletop role-playing games such as Monster of the Week or one-shot D&D campaigns. Season 1 is a tour across the United States, and a D100 role determines where we're going next. I'm your co-host, Megan. And I'm your other co-host, Cass. Before we begin, remember that Table Lore is a fictional storytelling podcast, and while sometimes we will explore real legends, nothing we say should be treated as fact. Our stories center on the strange and unexplainable, but sometimes they are more horror-based. Audience discretion is advised. This week, we're going to Wyoming. Welcome to the Cowboy State, Cass. I'm so glad to be here. But like I said last time, I think any state that I'm in is the Cowboy State. And I don't know what you mean by that, but sure. I'm calling myself a cowboy because I'm a rowdy little guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I love that you think that about yourself. Mm-hmm. I will let you have that. Thank you for letting me have that one, Megan. You're welcome. Tell me, Cass, all of your deep, intimate, personal experiences with the state of Wyoming. Um, I don't have a lot of deep experience. I have driven through Wyoming, most of Wyoming, but kind of more, dare I say, perhaps a less exciting part of Wyoming, the south so just a lot of just open, really open land. Mm. Well, I guess that makes sense. Like Eastern Wyoming is a prairie, so that's kind of what it was. But I would love to visit Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, which we live extremely close to. And I didn't realize until this morning how close we lived. Yeah, even though I had tried to tell him this before. Oh. Well, clearly I wasn't listening, which was my mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now we're planning our trip. Maybe this fall we're going to go to the Tetons. That would be extremely ideal and I think very on brand for us. Do you have any experience with Wyoming? I can say I have actually no experience with Wyoming. I've driven through like the small bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I've lived about an hour away from Wyoming for the last seven years and I've never gone. That seems like we need to go then. So let's do it. Okay. Okay. So when we go to Wyoming, I found something for you to visit. Yeah? What's that? Well, while I was doing my research for today, I came across a haunted library. A haunted library? Yeah, actually extremely haunted and very documented. Sorry, what? Yeah, so there's this w- library in Sweetwater County, Wyoming. Okay. And they built this library on top of a cemetery. So they... Well, yeah. Well, they had ex- exhumed the remains of the cemetery, and they thought they got it all before they built the library. 
apparently they didn't get it all because now recent construction projects have unveiled that there are still remains under around the library premises and so there are a lot of reports of like things being moved in the library electronics turning on and off like people hearing things so and they keep a log so there's a log you can go and visit write down your experience and even go on a ghost tour Ooh, we definitely have to go there I think we'll. I think we do have to. I don't think there's anything that I love more than visiting cemeteries and libraries, and I didn't realize I could do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, this would be a two for one experience. I'm obsessed with this. Yeah, so I thought you'd like that. I I I do like that. <laughs> yes. Well, today we're not going to a haunted library. We are going to the Grand Tetons, actually. I was just so taken by how beautiful they were, and we figured, well, let's just do our story there. Yeah, and more specifically, we are basing our story on a real town. Town, well, loosely. Technically, it's called Moose, Wyoming, and it is officially unincorporated territory with a population of 181 people. So this is technically still within the confines of the park itself, which is really cool. Um, but just a little disclaimer that other than the town setting being real, the rest of our story is completely fictional. Right. So these are not real people that we're talking about today. We just thought Moose, Wyoming was too charming to pass up on. Yeah, I mean, what's a better name for your unincorporated community than Moose? I can't think of a better one, clearly, since this is where we're at. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Megan, should we get into it? Let's start with our characters again today. So we're centering the story around a group of three female friends, all in their early 30s. And they're all married, and two of the three of them have a couple of young children. So Barbara, or Barb, she has two children, and she's married to her husband, Dave. Barbara is, would you say Barbara's pretty reserved? Yeah, she's pretty quiet and kind of introspective. So she's kind of, I guess, maybe the bookish, quieter one of the three. Okay. Yeah. And then Connie, she's married to Tom. Connie and Tom have not had any children, but they have a lot of passion projects. Connie is a filmmaker who is kind of just more of an of an amateur filmmaker, but she does a lot of film projects for historical societies and things like that. She and Barb sometimes work together and Barb helps with some of the research end of her film projects yeah and they have connie and her husband tom probably have like a dog or a cat that they're just very in love with well of course yeah and then our last of the three friends her name is josephine or joe and she has been married to her husband gary for over a decade and they have three kids yeah, so these three friends grew up together in Pocatello, Idaho. They 
have been friends since infancy, really. It is 1976, and Josephine Wallace stands at the kitchen counter spreading mayonnaise on white bread, making ham and cheese sandwiches for the picnic later today. She pauses to sip her coffee, admiring the sound of the rushing river outside the open window. Finally, peace and quiet. Joe had been looking forward to this trip all year. Her youngest was old enough for school now, and her husband, Gary, insisted that he could handle parenting with the help of Joe's mom for a few days while Joe and her two best friends enjoyed a girl's trip to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. Yellowstone had been breathtaking, and seeing its natural beauty was something Joe had waited over two decades to experience again, ever since she first went with her grandparents one summer when she was a kid. She had always intended to visit the park again, but instead, she had grown up, married her high school sweetheart, and had three kids of her own. A trip to the national park, barely two and a half hours away from Pocatello, just wasn't in the cards for the Wallaces, until Gary got his promotion a couple of years ago, and the family started getting ahead financially, instead of living paycheck to paycheck. So, shortly after the school year started, Joe had taken the new brown Ford Pinto station wagon and Barbara and Connie and headed east toward the mountains. Now, the friends were in Moose, Wyoming, staying in a cabin on the bank of the Snake River. Connie poured herself some coffee and hops up on the counter, watching as Joe assembles the sandwiches. You're quite the expert lunch lady, aren't you? Connie smiles at her friend. Well, that's what happens when you've been doing this every day for a decade, Joe replies, cutting the sandwiches into triangles and wrapping them in saran wrap. You should have cut the crust off mine, Mom. Connie pretends to pout and the two giggle. The mound of blankets on the couch begins to stir and Barbara sits up, blinking sleepily at her friends in the kitchen. What time is it? Like 5 a.m.? Barbara asks groggily. Goodness, no, Barbie, it's almost eight. Have some coffee and wake up a bit. We'll want to leave soon to beat the crowds, Joe responds. Connie hops down from the counter and brings a cup of coffee over to Barbara. Here you go, princess, up and at em. Joe, Connie, and Barbara are all in their early 30s and had been best friends since elementary school. Their Catholic families were among the minority in their small Idaho town of Mormon pioneer stock, and the girls bonded over being the odd ones out. As kids, they had dreamed of leaving Idaho and going on trips all around the world together, but that hadn't panned out. Instead, they lived in the same small town they grew up in, but decided that wasn't too bad, since they had each other still. None of them had admitted it in so many words, but this trip together was one of the highlights of their entire lives so far. The friends finish packing their paper bag lunch sacks with the sandwiches, some granola, apples, and their water bottles. Connie runs back inside and grabs extra film for her Super 8 film camera before hopping into the back of the brown station wagon. Ready? Joe asks, looking into the rearview mirror. Let's go, Connie and Barbara exclaim, beaming with excitement. Joe's wagon creaks to a halt over the pebbly road as the man dressed in a red plaid jacket and Wrangler jeans comes into sight. The cabin manager, Randy, was out raking the freshly fallen leaves into several tidy piles. Barb jokes to Randy and the girls that her kids would mess those up in two seconds if they were here. 
Randy chuckles and removes his hat to wipe the sweat off his forehead, then asks what the ladies have planned for the day. Excitedly, Joe outlines their plan to hike around Jenny Lake, stop at several scenic viewpoints along Teton Park Road, and lastly hike around Jackson Lake. And, if we're lucky, she begins, maybe Det Bartosin, too. That sounds like a lovely plan. Now, most folks will tell you it's not safe, but if you have a few spare moments, you should wander off the trail for a bit and see some of the forest. It's real lovely these days, Randy suggests. A little forest walk is exactly what we're in search of. Thanks, Randy, Joe enthuses before putting the car back in drive and heading towards the main road. An audio description of how beautiful the scenery is is going to fall flat. I would highly recommend that you listening look up Grand Teton National Park and see it for yourself if you're able. The mountains there are dark gray and steeply pointed. There are huge swaths of pine trees as well as deciduous trees that are just starting to turn yellow, orange, and red in our story. The lakes are perfect reflections of their surroundings, so when you look down at the water, you're seeing a mirror image of the mountains. It sounds so pretty. No, it really does. Like, I was so taken aback. Like, we're lucky. We live where we have mountains, but these are, you know, different. They're so pretty. Yeah, every time I see photos from my friends who go there or just that I come across some photographs of the park itself, I'm just in absolute awe and I can't even imagine actually being there and experiencing it because the photographs are just stunning right I know so hopefully we'll go and then we'll take pictures and put them on our social media yeah and I would imagine that in the 70s the park is even more like just rugged and just rugged and natural and, and hasn't really been visited by as many people yeah i mean definitely one of the top visited parks and for good reason it's just stunning yeah definitely on the bucket list yes so joe turns into a little clearing on the side of the road that serves as a parking lot Connie begins filming as soon as she steps out of the car. Tell the people where we're at, she says, pointing the camera at Barbara, who is tightening her shoelaces. Oh, we're about to walk around Jenny Lake and see if we don't fall in love with the wilderness and decide to stay forever, Barbara replies, sticking her tongue out of the camera. What do you think, Joe? Prettier sight than Gary, isn't it? Connie teases. I guess we'll have to see, Joe grins, and starts off on the trail, water bottle in hand. The friends walk for nearly half an hour, surrounded by gorgeous tall pines before reaching the scenic outlook. They find some rocks on the shoreline to sit on and catch their breath. Connie pulls the camera out again. This is... she trails off. Barb nods in agreement, and the three sit in silence for several minutes. And it only gets better from here, Joe says, finally breaking the quiet. After exploring the shoreline a bit more, the women hike back towards the car and make their way a short distance down the road to Cascade Canyon turnout. How is every inch of this place more beautiful than the last, Connie wonders aloud, filming a panoramic shot of the landscape. The words beautiful, amazing, 
incredible, and gorgeous quickly lose meaning as the friends continue to repeat them throughout the day. After stopping at the Mountain View, Mount Moran, and Pothole turnouts, the women pull off the road at the Chapel of the Sacred Heart, a small, rustically beautiful Catholic church made of logs nestled just off the shore of Jackson Lake. Nobody else is there, and the friends quietly appreciate the beauty of the cabin-like chapel before they take a break to eat the ham and cheese sandwiches back in the car. Ready for our last stop? Joe asks, turning the key in the ignition. Last stop? I think I'm ready to move in, Barb replies dreamily. Show us the way, Captain, Connie says, rolling the backseat window down and sticking her camera out. The last stop for today is the Lakeshore Trail at Coulter Bay. Trees line the trail on both sides, engulfing the women in the earthy scent of pine needles at the beginning and the beginning hints of autumn decay. The clear blue lake is visible at points between the trees, and the trail is well-worn and easy to follow. Joe stops to pick up a few fallen leaves and looks deeper into the forestry. I want to take a closer look, she tells her friends. Connie and Barb are reluctant, fearing what unknown creatures could be lurking there. But Joe assures them that nothing dangerous would be hiding here. There's not enough ground cover for them, she claims. Which is true. It's true that the underbrush of the forest floor is not as vegetative as other parks, as other parts of the park they've wandered. Mostly pine needles and scattered leaves. The sun pours through the branches in a scene better than even the most experienced painter could imagine, and the three women leave the trail to immerse themselves into the scenery. The forest strip is narrow, not too dense, but enough that after barely a minute's walk, the women lose sight of the trail. They decide not to go too far, following Joe's lead. A few minutes pass, and Barb begins to voice her increasing concern, and suggests they stop here instead of continuing on. Connie pulls out her camera and begins filming the sun streams through the trees and captures a scene of Joe teasing Barb, her new favorite part of the film, she thinks. The friends are laughing and reflecting on their trip when suddenly a woman's scream from the distance quiets the mood. Was that a scream? Connie asks nervously. Yeah, I think it came from that way. Joe points east towards the other side of the forest. Should we make sure everything's okay? Barb asks. I'm not sure. It could be nothing, Joe responds. Connie announces that she's going back to the trail, but decides to continue filming just in case. I'm not getting caught out here unprotected, she says. Barb and Joe agree that it's time to leave, but all three of the women feel anxious about the journey. They walk in silence until Barb speaks up. I don't think we're going the right way. I don't remember any of this, she says. The trail can't be too far from here. We barely walked half a mile, Joe claims, trying to put on a brave face so her friends, who trust her to lead the way, won't know that they're lost. Joe continues walking in the same direction, confident that eventually the trail surrounding the forest will reappear and everything will be fine but the scream from before still echoes in her mind. Finally, the trail does emerge, and the women pick up their pace, eager to get back on it. Connie directs her camera to the trail just in time to catch an animal dashing across their path through the trees. Was that a rabbit? Barb inquired. No, it had giant antlers. A baby deer, maybe? Joe suggested. 
but it was definitely hopping, Barb defended. They continued debating the wild animal, the first one they'd seen in the park. Just before stepping out from the forest cover, they noticed a pair of hiking boots and a backpack, the contents of the bag spilling out scattered about the area. Connie stops filming, and Joe stops the group and tells her friends to stay put for a moment while she walks towards the area to investigate. On the other side of a tree, Joe discovers the body of a woman, dead, covered in dried blood and flies. Barb and Connie call out to Joe, who is too shocked to respond, and the two approach and see the body as well. Connie falls back a little, barely staying upright, shaking. Something had attacked this woman, but what? Or who? We need to tell someone, Connie says after a moment. I'll, I'll tie my sweater around this tree so we can find it again, Joe responds. They consider whether someone should stay behind with the body, but decide that could be way too dangerous. So the three follow the trail back to the entrance and drive in silence back to the park headquarters in Moose to alert the rangers. Barb, Connie, and Joe approached the blonde-haired young man wearing olive green, sitting behind a reception desk. He flashes a smile at her. Hi there, welcome to the Grand Teton National Park headquarters. How may I be of service to you today, ladies? His smile quickly fades as Joe relays to him what she and her friends found in the woods by Coulter Bay. And you're sure it was a human body, ma'am? He gulps dryly, pulling at the collar of his shirt. We are absolutely sure, unfortunately, Connie replies. The young man nods. Joe figures he can't be more than 18 or 19 years old and stands up. I'll be right back. I'm going to radio the head ranger. Please help yourself to some coffee or water. He gestures towards the small table in the foyer. It takes a while for the head ranger to arrive back at the building. He's shorter than average, but broad and strong, his prominent mustache streaked with silver. Mr. Weissman, at your service, ladies. I'm deeply sorry for what you've experienced today in our park. I would like to take down your official statement in my office if you don't mind. I am afraid it's protocol. The ranger leads the three friends into his office, and they proceed to tell him everything they witnessed. At the end of the interview, Mr. Weissman stands up. Thank you, ladies. We'll give you a call if we need to get in touch with you again. Is there anything else I can help you with today? No, I suppose not, Joe answers. Mr. Weissman nods solemnly. I would advise that you ladies stay indoors tonight. Lock the door. We don't know what we're dealing with here yet. The women leave the building and drive across the bridge to Fisher's Cabin Resorts, where they're staying. The neat piles of leaves Mr. Fisher had been raking earlier are gone now, presumably bagged up and disposed of. Joe parks the station wagon outside their cabin, and Connie finally speaks up. I need a drink. How about you two? Barbara slaps her knees and opens the passenger side door. Sounds like just the thing we need. Joe nods and the friends walk over to Fisher's Chuck Wagon, a rustic establishment that serves burgers, barbecue, and beer. A brown-haired waitress about their age seats them at a booth. My name's Ellie, and I do hope y'all are enjoying our beautiful park today, she smiles warmly. We sure are, Joe lies politely, looking down at the menu. The friends order burgers and beers, and Connie pipes up. So what even was all that? I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life. Barb squeezes Connie's hand reassuringly. Me too. That was crazy. 
I mean, what was that weird animal? Was that what killed that poor girl? Before Joe can participate in the conversation, Ellie returns to their table, their burgers and tall glasses of beer balanced expertly on a large tray. I've got three classic cheeseburgers with fries, she says cheerfully, placing the plates on the table. Is there anything else I can get for y'all right away? Actually, Ellie, we did have a question. We saw something earlier today. Joe catches Connie's disapproving glance across the table. We saw something strange during a hike. Looked kind of like a rabbit, but maybe a small deer. Have you ever heard of anything like that, Joe finishes? Oh, of course I have, Ellie smiles. You ladies have been lucky enough to spot a jackalope. Crazy little things. Jackrabbits with antlers. You ever seen something so wild? I've heard they can run 90 miles an hour if they want to. She lowers her voice slightly before continuing. I've also heard they can be quite vicious. Could kill a grown man if they really wanted to. But the creepiest part is that they can mimic human voices. Nasty little things. The friends glance at each other worriedly. Well, sounds like you three have a good story to return home with. I'll be back to check on y'all in a minute. Ellie hustles away from their table. On to the next one. So, I'm right, right? That jackalope killed the girl, Barbara asks her friends. So, jackalopes. So, jackalopes um, ruining the girl's trip, maybe. I, I know a lot of people who are very defensive of jackalopes, who really love them a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, because they're cool? Well, because they're a close-by cryptid, right? Right. That's true. Well, I hope that we don't ever encounter a dead body on any of our trips. That would be a damper in the mood for sure. Yeah. And I mean... Like, how do you... What do you think these three women do in the days following up you think they stick around to see if they hear anything more about the case or do you think they just go home i think that their adventuring spirit probably feels a little quiet and they're probably about ready to go home yeah i mean i would imagine that leaving means that they may never find out what happens it's because it's the 1970s probably not a lot of right news report on this particular case yeah well i don't think i would want to stick around much longer in a place where i found a body so yeah that's that's fair i think they go home and try to forget it for the next 50 years i would imagine that these three women continue to recount this story to basically anyone who will listen With their families, Barb, Connie, and Joe would return to the Grand Tetons in search of the jackalope. Their families never quite sure whether they believed in the jackalope, unless they could see it for themselves, too. Barb dedicated her whole life to the legend. As a librarian, she loved research and finally found her topic of interest. She would return to the park nearly every single year, trying to learn more and write it all down. She would try and hunt down the jackalopes, but unfortunately never saw one again. She was obsessed with knowing and with learning until shortly after the new year in 2022. Barb passed away in her sleep. 
Joe and Connie, who hadn't seen each other in nearly 30 years, each of them finally moving away from their hometown, reunited at the funeral of their dear friend Barb. After the service, their families went to dinner together, chatting as they always had, like no time had passed at all. It was tender, and the two women were glad to have each other while missing their friend. Jackalope stories were, of course, traded at the table, and one of Barb's sons, Chris, mentioned a recently reopened cold case out in Jackson Hole, the murder of Johanna Peterson, a female tourist who was murdered in the park back in 76. They think they found a killer now because of DNA testing, he says. In the back of Joe's mind, she wonders if that was the same woman they had found, but surely that would be too much of a coincidence. They had never found out who that woman was, and nothing was ever reported. Chris continues, Apparently, the woman's murder has been tied to a serial killer. Some dude named Randy, I think. He lived in the park and managed to kill a bunch of people under the radar. Dude just got arrested. He's still alive. The name Randy sparked Joe's memory. A man in a red flannel shirt raking leaves, and Connie's hand gripped Joe's wrist. Connie whispered, Isn't that the man who owned the cabins? A classic tale of, isn't humanity the real monster after all? Well, maybe. Maybe the murder was the jackalope. Well, why was Randy's DNA on the body if it was the jackalope? Could Randy shapeshift into a jackalope? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Is Randy a jackalope? Wait, hold on. That's that's good. You did a really good job. Oh, thank you. That's a high compliment coming from a professional writer. Generally, this is a very collaborative experience, but today Cass was helping out and just did most of it himself. Well, you were managing our social media and rebranding. Yeah, so if you follow us on social media, you may notice a slight rebrand. It looks a lot better and more our vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so check us out on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all under the same handle at table or podcast our website also got a refresh check it out at www.tableorpodcast.com on there you can send us a message tell us about your role-playing experiences or send us dms on any of our social media as well and we'll respond to you there as always thanks for supporting us and make sure you stick around for some re- gameplay suggestions but first we gotta roll that D100. The best part. <laughs> we got a 30. That means we're going to Iowa. The Hawkeye State. That's right. Or the Hot Guy State. Well, if I'm there. See you next week. In Iowa. Bye. Okay, storytellers, now it's your turn to create the rest of the story. Roll a d6 for inspiration about how to continue this story. If you roll a 1 or a 2, you and your party play as a group of investigators who are in Grand Teton National Park to try to solve a string of murders that have occurred there over the years. Do you find out about Randy, or do you stumble upon something even more sinister than a serial killer? 
If you roll a three or a four, you and your party play as a group of campers in Grand Teton, trying to prove the existence of jackalopes and reveal them to the world as real creatures, not just cryptids. Are you successful? Do you survive an encounter with these supposedly killer rabbits? What do you learn about jackalopes in the process? If you roll a five or six, with Randy Fisher behind bars, his cabin business goes up for sale. You and your party buy the property and try to rebrand it so that park visitors are willing to come back to a place that a serial killer once owned and operated. What dark secrets do you uncover in and around Randy's property? Was he more monster than human? In what way?